Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. Welcome back. Uh, today's episode is going to begin with two questions for you to consider. Uh, the first is, what is the tagline or the motto or uh, the all-important phrase you think of when you hear Home Depot? All right, I'm hearing some different answers out there. <laughs> Let's move to the next question. Um, what do you want to be remembered for? Or what do people, what are the first three words that come into a person's mind when they see you or hear you? All right, again, a lot of different questions. So Dr. Rhoda today is talking about cultivating a culture of excellence. And there are just some really practical takeaways uh, that we need to be aware of. And we also need to be aware of the environment that we're living in and how those uh, interplay back and forth. So Dr. Rhoda. Those are quite great questions, Professor Marty. Let me just say that when I think of you, the first three things that come to mind, can I share? Coffee, coffee, coffee. <laughs> so my nickname in my mind for Professor Marty is Barnabas because he's just the encourager. He is always, always encouraging. So he's encouraging, he's dependable, and thoughtful in both ways of the word. You're like thoughtful, considerate, but you're also thoughtful in that you really like think deeply about things. So that's what comes to my mind. I think well, that is a high compliment. And <laughs> I, I'd like to say caffeine is somehow related to all three of those. But thank you, Dr. Rhoda. You're most welcome. So in episode 62, we discussed how cultures are created. So culture comes from the word cultivate, which means it's something that we do. It's something we create. So can we be really intentional about this? Ideally, it's a culture is a set of living relationships working together towards a common goal. So if we don't intentionally create our culture in our homes, in our schools, in the groups that we belong to, in our work environments, we're going to be left attempting to manage a culture that we may not even really want. And so we talk about the foundation last in episode 62, which is creating a culture of safety. So now that we've created that safe space, let's move on to the next step, which I think is important. How do we create or cultivate a culture of excellence? And what I really like about this step-by-step -step progression is it's a reality check because you can't create culture unless it's safe. Mm -hmm. And you can't move forward unless you've figured out some of these beforehand. And you can't create a positive culture if all you're doing is looking at the negativities in this culture and saying, oh, this is just the way it is. Yes. So I've adapted many of these concepts from an excellent book by Daniel Coyle called The Culture Code. And he studied effective cultures of excellence. And these, what he talks about in his book is created for business. But for our purposes, I've adapted these to fit the culture of schools. And then homes are just so very similar to schools in that way. So here are some things to be aware of as we create or cultivate, create our culture of excellence. Number one, and I'm going to give you, I think, six tips on, on what we can do to be aware of for this. So the first one. So it's important to name and rank your priorities. What do you value? What do you want the culture of your home or classroom or group to be? Why do you value what you value? Make it crystal clear. And ideally, no more than five things. So this is these are our priorities. This is what was really important to us. 
And ironically, most effective cultures put their success as a group of people toward the top of their list. So building and sustaining the group is a priority in their culture of excellence. So effective cultures are about, you won't be surprised to hear this from me, relationships, 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 relationships. Who would have thought that? Bedrock so, of everything. So, 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 so very, very important. And oftentimes, if you take the time to say, what do you really value? That's something that we just assume and we assume other people know what it is. And really, that's just a really good reflective practice to say, what do I really value and how do I prioritize these things? Would be a great discussion. Yes. Which leads into our number two, which is be 10 times as clear about your priorities as you think you need to be. We just can't assume that other people have the same priorities or that they get our priorities. Interesting study was done, Inc. Magazine ask executives at 600 companies how many of their employees would be able to rank the company's top three priorities. So they ask their people working for them, what are our top three priorities? The executives predicted that 64% of the employees would be able to do this. In reality, only 2% could. 2% Hearing knew that what the priorities were. Just, just is such a great reminder. We think we articulate and we think people understand our values and they simply don't because based on your advisement we haven't shared it with them enough in a manner that they can remember over and over and over again and it feels redundant to us but that's what it takes just like for belonging cues we have to do it over and over and over again which we talked about in episode 62 as well and and maybe the reason i only i remember home depot is because i've been there so many times it's like (laughs) a second home and so they have in print and all over the place so yeah yeah they had to hit me over the head quite a bit for me to remember that you can do it we can help you Uh, something along those lines i gotta say um when you say so many trips to home depot for me personally and maybe people that are listening can relate to i can never make one trip if i make one trip to get something i'm going to go back like three times and get something different a different size this didn't fit different color that's normal when you're doing a project it's never one trip no i need a lot of their help right yeah (laughs) so going back to being 10 times as clear about your priorities as you think you need to be as leaders we spend a lot of time thinking about our priorities and our goals and then we just assume everybody else knows them We must communicate them clearly and over and over and over again. It's okay to be redundant in this regard. Paint them on the walls, list them on posters, talk about them every day. Make them a part of your culture. It just becomes the air you breathe and everybody can say it. It's like mission statements. Everybody should just be able to understand what it is, be able to repeat it, be able to talk about it. So number one, name and rank your priorities. Number two, be 10 times as clear about your priorities as you think you need to be. Number three, Whether you're leading a classroom or coaching a team, put an emphasis on trying and then mastery. So be aware of dynamics, interactions, relationships, make it safe to fail, give feedback, celebrate loudly, lots of celebrating. And we, we, sorry for interjecting, but we, I just feel very strongly, we do not do that enough. I do not do that enough as a parent. Celebrate those small steps, those small victories, and as an as a teacher, we need to set aside time to just celebrate because there's so many good things happening. Really just outstanding point. When I used to coach, uh, I coached girls varsity high school soccer. And, you know, these are pretty good players at the varsity level. 
I would celebrate, we'd call them the fundamentals, you know, because it's the fundamentals that you build on. And if you're doing the fundamentals right, the other stuff's going to build. So let's celebrate when somebody does those simple things really, really well, because then, you know, you keep on. So when the group takes initiative, when a group of people try something and they fail, celebrate that they tried something, right? Give them lots of examples of what success looks like. Provide high repetition, high feedback for the things you want them to master. Build vivid, memorable rules of thumb or slogans that support your purpose. There again, that mission, that vision, make it clear. And finally, spotlight and honor the fundamentals of a skill. So those are those things you can do that are going to encourage them to try and then also promote mastery. Let's get better. Let's keep trying at this. So that's number three. Number four, embrace, and some of these kind of link together, embrace the use of catchphrases. So what may seem corny or redundant is what successful groups do. KIPP is one of the, the schools that Daniel Quayle studied, and their slogan, it's everywhere, work hard, be nice, right? It's simple. They just repeat it over and over and over again. Uh, Zappos has a great work environment. They say create fun and a little weirdness, and that's just their, their environment. That's what they do. San Antonio Spurs, a very successful basketball team with relatively average players on it, pound the rock. That's, and they have a story behind that, and that's their slogan, pound the rock, pound the rock. So these catchphrases reinforce the clarity of the purpose. So create a catchphrase for your class that links up with your priorities, links up with your vision for what you want it to be. And, and I think that that's so important. You look at middle schools sometimes, some schools that are, are broken up into teams, each team within the middle school has their own name. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you think of sports teams mm -hmm. having their own name. Sense of identity, pride. Right, absolutely. Ownership, value. And, and then, oh, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll go home tonight and we'll try to get some kind of family, family <laughs> catchphrase. Uh, catchphrase. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the weirdness goes in there <laughs> and fun. Maybe we'll go. be the, yeah, okay. Zeppos. Yeah. Uh, so our fifth point in creating a culture of excellence Measure what really matters. It is so easy to get caught up in the boatload of assessment. And, you know, some of this is mandated, and we need to be very faithful about those things that are expected of us. But as a teacher or as a parent of this specific child, what do you want to measure? How do you want to see this child grow? In what capacity? And how are you going to measure that? How will you provide feedback to this child to help him or her step it up to the next level? What really matters? What are your priorities? And then how do you measure that? You know, I, I often think of uh, having the role of a supervising professor, watching mm -hmm. student teachers teach, and listening to them share their goals, their aspirations. And then certainly they need to comply. They, they need to be proficient with the ed TPA and rules and regs and compliance. But at the end of the day, uh, what I say, because I've learned this from others, is it really what matters to me is what you're doing five years, ten years out from now, because really the heart of teaching, you absolutely need all this framework, mm -hmm. but you need to add that value in, which, which mm -hmm. you, I think, nailed it there. Yeah, absolutely. And then our sixth tip, if you want to create a culture of excell excellence, is focus on bar setting behaviors, like raising the bar. So what are the little things done with excellence that make a difference? Do you want a student to learn organization? How are you going to do that? What are the little tasks that you will teach them and focus on that make someone excellent at organization? Don't just expect that students will just get there. We have to scaffold it for them. Here's the little steps along the way, and then we're going to practice it over and over again. You want a student to be better at reading? What goes into that? You want to get better, you're coaching a team and you want to get better at free throws? 
What are the specifics? Break it down step by step. Do it over and over and over again. Uh, the kids aren't doing the dishes in the manner which you expect. Do you just sit there and holler at them or do you walk back through and step by? This is what I expect and this is how you do it. You do it over and over again. Pay attention to the details. Help them to learn to pay attention to the details. Teach them to do things well to the best of their ability. See the value of working faithfully and diligently. And I think uh, an individual summed this up so beautifully. They said, really, it's I do, we do, you do. You know, and that's mm -hmm. educational jargon. But mm -hmm. isn't that the truth if we really want someone to, to, to understand where we're headed and what we want to take yes. that approach. Absolutely. And I just love the, the passage in scripture that says, work as though working for the Lord and not for men. Do your best work, whether somebody's watching or not. That's that character. That's integrity. And ladies and gentlemen, we model that for kids. They're watching us. And so work as though working for the Lord and not for men. And have fun at it. You know, sometimes I think, could go back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had work to do. Work is not a bad thing. Work is a blessing. God's given us gifts and he wants us to use those gifts. And so have a joyful heart as you go about doing it. Um, do it with excellence and model that for our kids and help them to learn how to do that as well. As we faithfully work to do our best, we model being faithful. We set high expectations. We teach young people how to reach those expectations. Then ultimately remember that if we really want something to be excellent, we need our Lord's blessing. So that prayerful you know, apart from me, you can do no good things. So continue to serve and celebrate God by faithfully serving those around us. And we will, if we do that, have a safe culture that strives for excellence. And really, Dr. Roden, I would be in 100% agreement. As we've watched the Lord take this podcast mm -hmm. and use it, it's what's in your heart moving forward. And he certainly, if it's aligned with his thought and his will, blesses it in so many uh, unimaginable ways. Can exceed all our expectations. Our goal in Five to Thrive is to equip and support educators and parents as they help each child develop to his or her full God-given potential. So here are five key takeaways from today's episode on cultivating a culture of excellence. Number one, it is so, so important to name and rank your priorities what do you truly value? And then make sure that you're crystal clear multiple times, multiple times, multiple times with that messaging. Number two, whether you're leading in the classroom or coaching a team or working with a child at home, put an emphasis on trying and then on mastery. Number three, number four, excuse me, I'm, I've lost my count here. Number four, uh, embrace the use of a catchy phrase. I already kind of talked about that uh, in my excitement, uh, more saving, more doing. Uh, number five, measure what really matters. It's so easy to get caught up in all these things that are important, but really focus on what's the most important. And I just am really having a hard time counting today, so we're going to have another five here. Uh, focus on setting your bar, uh, focus on bar setting behaviors. In other words, what are the little things that really matter and certainly celebrate those. You know, in reflecting in my inability to count, I think I'm just going to let you have some humor with that one as opposed to trying to edit <laughs> so the I last, won't, I won't last edit five <laughs> or six or three or two or one. Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. 
Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.